Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the Warzone. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we talk about games. And there is one game that we've mentioned a bunch, but we decided to, to, to put some time and effort. And by we, I mean me personally, Buddy, actually put some time and effort into uh, loading up Call of Duty Warzone. And the like, the modern warfare war zone. Their their take on the battle royale genre. Uh, playing a bunch of hours, I probably put about ten hours into it over the course of the week. Um, and we're gonna, I guess, we're just gonna hit you with some thoughts, some very out of date thoughts, very like, <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean, like outdated. Yeah, you know, the the iron's never been colder. Halfway or not halfway, but like a couple weeks into the fourth season of uh, Warzone. Yeah, this is our initial impressions. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Uh, since I've talked about this a little bit, why don't you give me your, your, your kind of broad thoughts? Okay. So at first, so, so my progression through, through the battle royale genre has been such that I, um, I have kind of felt like progressively like left behind in a way, right? Like I was pretty into PUBG with everyone else. And I played maybe about 40 hours into that. Apex Legends came out, and uh, and I played maybe, like, 10 or 15 hours. And then Warzone came out, and I was just like, you know what, I'm good. So, like, the the, the Battle Royale genre sort of, like, left me behind in a way. Part of that is that, like, other stuff has captured my attention. I've been playing way more Hearthstone now than I was even a year ago when I was talking about playing a lot of Hearthstone. Um, but the... Um, but I, but I wanted to get back on the train and see a little bit of what it was like and, like, what, what changes have been have been made to, like, make things better. What are the iterations and all, and all of that sort of thing. Um, the iterations to Warzone, as I have detected them, uh, have been pretty cool and pretty interesting. Especially the ability to rejoin your team post-death. I think that is the core number one thing that makes Warzone cool and unique and different in the battle royale genre. Like I, I, I have small, I guess, gripes with the system, but overall, just like the ability for someone to die but then be bought back into the game is absolutely monumentally huge, and might be enough to make me say that like Warzone is my is my favorite of these, um, like of these battle royale uh, battle royale games. On a lower level, so that's kind of like the S tier, right? Like these are S tier changes that I think War, Warzone has that make it good. On a lower level, you have. Um, the contract system and like making money and getting these kind of small objectives inside of the game that aren't just right like move through move to the circle um kind of thing i like these a lot because they create small tactical moments of gameplay that are uh different and interesting Right from sort of like round to round, you don't just sort of like hold up in the same place. You kind of are always being prodded into action in a way. Um, though I will say that I also feel like at a certain point the game wants me to play it sort of like we play PUBG, where you know you kind of ignore some of these things. It's pretty easy to ignore contracts, I guess is really is really what I'm getting at. Um, and sometimes they're big and important and they matter, right? Obviously getting a team revive out of uh, a most wanted contract is pretty huge. Uh, but sometimes they, uh, you know, they're just kind of there to, like, lightly guide your play. And I think that they're, they're fine. They're a cool addition. Uh, pretty neat. Um, 
when it comes to the gunplay, uh, I think kinesthetically the game feels all right. Part of this is just my own sort of expectations when coming into uh, first-person shooters from the sort of first-person shooters that I play, which look a lot, a lot more like Payday or Killing Floor, right? Um, in those games, you are not penalized for hip fire nearly as much as Call of Duty. Call of Duty really wants you to get on sights and scopes and iron right. sights, right? Whenever, whenever you're shooting. Um, whereas, right, like, in Killing Floor, you... So, like, subclasses are built for that, obviously, right? If you're playing the sharpshooter, right? But... A lot of the time, hip fire will do you just fine, and that's and that's kind of okay. Um, in fact, it's actually kind of better depending on like how you're making your build and what and what you're doing. You might just want to make a spray and pray build or something along those lines uh, that is mostly sitting in hip fire because you know what, what like why not sort of thing. Uh, but like in in Call of Duty, even if you're using an LMG, it wants you to aim down those sights. I also think that time to kill is super quick, even with like armor and stuff. Um, Partially, this feels like because the guns themselves are fairly powerful in a way. It's like something that you get in PUBG or that you got in PUBG is kind of like a duel between two people using mid-level weapons that like aren't optimized could actually go pretty far. Um, like if you have some armor and you're sitting there with like an SMG versus somebody who has like an okay pistol or whatever, like that's a, that's a fight that'll really like get someplace. But in Call of Duty, you pretty quickly accumulate very powerful weaponry that has super short time to kill. And so it makes the whole game much more, um, I don't know, like, like twitchy and, and your interactions become much quicker. Uh, it feels like. Um, and then the final thing that I wanted to bring up uh, when it comes to, like, sort of my sense of Call of Duty is the movement across the map. You do not have a sluggish character in Call of Duty. You have a very agile and nimble character. Um, you know, you can do the vaults over over pieces of the scenery. You can jump over walls. You can jump out of windows without taking too much damage. I think this is overall a pretty good change. This reminds me a lot of Apex, um, which also felt very, like, m more more mobile, more more sure. quick and speedy. Um, kind of, like, in that, you know... I don't know. It, th this makes me feel a little, like, cartoonish, in a way. Like, the speed with which you move throughout the map. Um, but it feels better than in PUBG, where you just, like, you do feel slow and not nimble or agile um, kind of at all. Um, my overall impression is that I like Warzone a lot. I definitely like it better than PUBG. Um, I'm not sure if I like it better than Apex just because I like the character classes uh, of Apex and a couple of small system stuff that Apex does uh, just a little bit better. And so maybe that stuff is enough, but I don't know. I definitely had fun. I definitely had fun uh, getting into Warzone. All right. So a couple of things just to, just to kind of explore a couple of things along those uh for, for those particular points. Um, you mentioned sure. the, the death revive mechanic. Uh, Apex actually has a death revive mechanic. I don't know if you remember. Oh, it um, does? Wait, really? Yeah, you have to... So when your teammate goes down, you have to go to their box and pick up their, basically... Like, they, they've got, like, a oh, token. Oh, you're right. Wow, I completely forgot about that. Um, and oh, my God. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. But I, I think I'm generally with you. I think I'm with you that, I, that the... Uh, uh, that the the Warzone version is better. One, you everybody gets like one free shot back with the gulag, yeah. which I think is like a super fun thing. Especially like we haven't been in a lot of the same gulags, but like getting comms from a teammate and like really pulling off a, uh, a nice gulag win 
can feel really nice. Um, can feel really like satisfying. Yeah. Um, uh, and then the second part of that is that it's much easier to pull off in Warzone if you can like finding the money is something you can do on your own time. You don't have to go to the corpse of your friend to to to, to like pick up their marker like you do in Apex. Yeah. Right? So it's less risky, and there are more buy stations than there are revive stations. Um, and even and it does like put up a red marker when you revive. But I have found that like shooting people out of the sky is like not super common in uh, in Warzone. Uh, unlike yeah. in, in in Apex, where it was I thought it was fairly regular. I think part of that is because um, the characters are basically kind of less visible in in, in general. Um, also, the map is less vertical, mm-hmm. so I think you're like looking at the sky a little bit less often. Um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely get that feeling, uh, 100%. Uh, wow, yeah, you're right, I did completely forget about it in Apex. I think it's because I'm not sure I ever got revived in Apex, you know what I mean? Like, I think the system is kind of so, not punishing, but like, you know, it it is rare to get a revive off, uh, or rarer to get a revive off, uh, that it kind of completely slipped my mind. Whereas, like, it's a very common thing, it feels like, for somebody to die and then get bought back into the game. Um, in Warzone, sometimes, you know, like, multiple times. I, like, I have a couple of gripes with certain edge cases. For instance, I do sort of think that, like, I, we were playing once where Monik talked about a stealth revive where we were kind of in the middle of a firefight, but, like, maybe you can get in there and quickly, like, access, like, the menu and do it. I think that's kind of not great. Um, and that, like, I, I don't really know how I would fix something like this, but just, like, the idea that, um, that navigating through the menu at a quick enough speed to buy someone back into the game is like kind of a measure uh of like prowess kind of like sucks and i don't think is super great um but like i don't really know how you you know like i don't really know how you do with that yeah people near the buy stations right uh i feel like i feel like in a certain sense like the buy station should shut down if there's a firefight happening and you should only you know what i mean like it's kind of like in, in in an rpg where you can only like change your inventory in out of combat it's something i guess I, I i feel like that's how buy stations should work in a way but i don't know that there's anything you can really do about it i i think the maybe instead of shutting down with fire because like that's like i i think being able to sneak a revive i think is is a is a cool thing that can lead to drama it just um like because there's no time component to it right like most of these games that have revives right have like a you know if you're in apex you have to stand there for like five seconds right and hold yeah, down a button. yeah yeah i think that's what the menu's doing but like it's kind of artificial so it feels bad maybe like having like a quick buy button or something right like a dedicated button for like you know revive the, the ally at the top of the list um yeah or make- even something where it's like instead of accessing a menu interface at all you just hit a button and you know like you hold a button on the buy station or whatever and it'll like revive yeah, yeah. No. I agree with you. I think I think stealth, re- like, where you know there are people in the area, but you haven't engaged them, but you're just like, what if I can just sneak into the buy station real quick and, like, buy 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 them back in or whatever. I think that stuff was it, it was great. It was just, like, the one time where we did it in the middle of shooting people where I was just like, this seems not great. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think ideally that's the case. Like, that's the, the case that gets solved for in other games by, like, making it take time, right? So, like, if you don't yeah. push the person, they can get it off. Um, and I guess the menu is supposed to substitute for that. It's just like a, I think a hard thing uh, to to deal with. Um, on the, I also go on. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. No, well, go so for it. Uh, when it comes to uh, the other things, my my other things when it comes to reviving is I feel like if the entire team gets 
knocked out. I don't love everyone getting sent to the gulag together. Um, I, it sort of feels like if if like we get team wiped, we should just get spit back out to the to the menu screen, right? If one person gets picked off, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like the gulag is great in that sort of situation, right? But if everybody dies in a in a big fight, it almost sort of feels like well, okay, now one out of three three of us is going to come out of the gulag. You know, and like try and buy everyone back in. I felt like that interaction wasn't super amazing um, uh, see, when it I, came to. I, I disagree, uh, and I think part of this is just because, you know, I'm not the best player. You're new, and uh, we haven't we didn't play with some of our better friends all that much. But I think like uh-huh. those can be really intense, like really great moments when like you know somebody gets back or like one or two people get back and they manage to buy back the rest of the team, and then you go on to like really crush the match, right? Um, I think I think one of the weaknesses of the system is just that post revive it's harder to get yourself to a decently geared situation, just yeah. because you know obviously your teammates aren't as your teammates have been alive aren't as incentivized. Um, gear doesn't respawn on the map, and in fact, gear that gets dropped will despawn. So, um, like as you're going through the map, um, things will slowly fade away so if it's been a while you won't have so yeah uh, to be honest that might be my obje- part of my objective objection is that like when you have somebody you do a firefight let's say you're with your 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 guys right two of them die one of them lives though and then you like gulag back out that feels okay because you still have one person who's like geared right and then the other person comes down and that person can like shepherd them gear or whatever but having somebody launch into the map in the middle of the game with no gear and be like the only person i feel like that interaction is is not uh is not good um and uh, you know part of this is also maybe a little bit on like loadouts uh i was very easy on how loadouts i mean it just they just happen right at some point and so it's like Maybe if you drop, if that happens, you drop onto a loadout crate or something kind of that like yeah. really gets you back into the swing of things would feel would feel a lot better. But just like a lot of the time, it felt like all three of us would get wiped. One person would buy their way back in or would gulag their way back in, but then have no gear and then just get like taken out. And I just felt it's like what a waste of time. You know what I mean? So I think the gear the gear aspect of it might um, I don't know might like solve that problem. Yeah, I, part of that too is that like. Landing like landing after a team wipe can be tough because you might just like land on top of somebody and then you're screwed, right? And that that does yeah. Feel this like is my other thing. I also feel like um, the reading the redeploy should not be like in the same area where where you died. Um, uh, I don't so know how I feel about that. To it, be honest, it, I'm a l- it, so if there's no contract up and your whole team is dead, it's not in the same area, or oh, okay. it, it like biases you towards the circle. Um, but if you have a contract up, it puts you near your objective. And if you have um, a teammate up, it a puts you near... A teammate up, it puts you... Okay, yeah. uh, fair, fair enough. That actually... Never mind. That, that answers... Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I guess we never ran into that, because you always want to have a contract up. But uh, but there were definitely some times where... I don't know. It just felt like diving back into a, the group who just killed you is like... Yeah. You know? I mean, part, part of that, too, is that if you pull your shoot early, you can get away. But that's just, like, a thing you have to learn. Yeah. And that's also kind of, like, not... I don't think that's a designed part of the game, right? That's like a an uh-huh. advanced tactics part of the game, right? It's like, yeah, maybe it's yeah. worth abandoning the contract and trying this, to. This is in. another thing that I like about. I like the redeploy thingies that you get, like those little towers in Apex. I like those a lot, um, and so part of it is like a, like similar to that, you know, being able to traverse the map, yeah, um, in like quick ways in a way, um, and then. Uh, 
I guess that was it. That, 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 those are my, like, little notes about, like, the revive system, right? Like, overall, I think it's, like, good, but I did have a, a little small nitpicks, I guess. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, so, the contracts point, which I thought was interesting. Um, so, I think, at least from our experience, and some of the most fun we had was when we were, like, aggressively pursuing, like, the bounty contracts or, like, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Because, like, the... the 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 uh, what's it called the 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 chest contracts and the the, the recon contracts it's kind of easy to just like not have to deal with anybody because those I don't think people hunt down um, the recon contracts a lot and the the scavenger contracts are super safe right because you're just like it's like move you places which I mean it's not super super safe but like it like it's not like there's anything indicating that you're going to be near there right. Um, uh, but I think that we, I, I think like it come some of our later games last night, uh, we're just like a lot better when we were picking up the bounty contracts and pushing people. Um, and that's like, it's like makes the game more fun. I think this is like a thing that happens a lot in these battle royale games is that um, like the, 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 you know, kind of uh, water fills a crack way to play is to like run to the edge of the map and squat down and like inch towards the circle and hope to catch somebody off guard and like sit still for like 40 minutes but, like, the most fun way to play the game is to, like, actively take engagements. Um, and I think that Call of, like, Warzone has some mechanics for pushing those, um, but they're not good enough, essentially. Um, well, so, interestingly, I actually kind of like that the contracts have some variety, right? Like, right. That you can opt into those engagement contracts where it's like, okay, we're feeling pretty good about our setup. Let's take this bounty contract. Let's go hunt somebody down, right? Or you can say, you know what? I really want to gear up a little bit more. Let's take the scavenger. You know, like the scavenger contract or whatever else. Um, so, having having a, a sort of uh, a break between the low stakes contracts and the high stakes contracts makes a certain sense. Part of this I also think is that like the contracts themselves having certain types of rewards um, might, like it might be like a rewards thing. Like if you're going to take a high risk contract, you should get a better reward out of it. And you do in money, in money for like what, like money wise, you're going to make more out of a bounty contract than a scavenger contract, obviously. Um, but, uh, but I also feel like in a certain sense, money had a weirdly like intangible value and so, like, imagine a world where, like, the bounty, like, fulfilling a bounty contract, I don't know, gives you something, like, really good, right? But, like, that's obviously the harder end of contracts to fulfill. Um, and, uh, and doing a scavenger contract gets you something, like, a little bit less useful, but, like, maybe, you know, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it's kind of on the rewards of the contracts to be better and more interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... So I, I think part of it is that like scavengers are are good early game because you're still just kind of, like because you are kind of like getting gear together. Um, I just think that like there's not a ton of incentive to like, like that's not the rewards of the contract, but like because, because I think ultimately kind of the biggest strength and the biggest weakness of Warzone is is, is the loadouts, right? Because like if you've got a loadout that you like, right, um, and if you play enough, um, or if you have the multiplayer and you grind out some multiplayer. Um, and you have a good loadout, there's really not a ton of reason for you to re-engage with anybody, right? Like, it's not like you're going to get a ton of stuff from fighting someone. You'll get some money and maybe you can yeah. buy a kill streak, But, like, like the, the kind of differential between, um, you know, using a UAV to find somebody to hunt down and killing them and buying another UAV isn't much better than just, you know, having a UAV, 
hiding and only using the UAV when you really need it. Um, yeah, I, I have I have a lot of thoughts about loadouts. It's tough though because I never really engage with the system like proactively um, because it's pretty impenetrable for like a fresh player. You either need to buy Call of Duty Modern Warfare itself and play a bunch of the multiplayer like deathmatch or whatever to like level up the guns um, so that you can create a loadout that you like. Or I guess you could wait for like a free weekend, or you just like happen to find the gun that you like in Warzone and use it a bunch, um, which seems impossible, frankly, to 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 like accomplish. Um, and so that feels not great. But I also get that you know obviously they need to make money. Who cares, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, but the other thing is the the interaction of. Just going, getting to the loadout box and getting, like, everything all at once, I also think is maybe not great. Like, imagine a world where you go to... Imagine a world where loadouts are more piecemeal than that. Like, maybe you go to a loadout box and you get your perks, or you get a gun, or you get... You know what I mean? And But there are more of them. And so, like, you can still sort of build your way into a build that you like, but it's not just sort of, like, one and done. Maybe that's a version of loadouts that I, that I would prefer. I don't know. So, so there's a couple things here. Um, one, I just kind of on your acquisition point, uh, I think you're kind of right on most of it, but I think the piece you're missing is if you play enough, one, you do unlock a bunch of stuff, but two, you also occasionally get blueprints from, um, either in-game missions or, like, uh, this, the free stuff on the season pass. Um, oh, oh, I didn't even, I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. okay. And the blueprints, like, are just, like, uh, like, setups with a cool skin for your standard guns. But they also like basically unlock those perks or, or those those kind of attachments early, so uh-huh. if you get a couple of those, you get you get a, a, a pretty decent set of options. Um, to your point about like number of crates, so the thing is is that like as you get deeper into the game, I think that that's that actually happens, right? Like when I get an early, first of all, something that we never did because I wasn't going to prioritize buying it because you didn't have any good loadouts was you can buy those loadouts from the buy station. That's like a hundred k. Right. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So I did not know that. That's like a big. Early, that's like a big early game driver. Um, I think it's a little bit too easy to get in four man just because like you can stack money too easily. Um, yeah, you can, everybody drops their money together. Yeah, and like everybody gets to use the crate. Um, maybe that's another tweak is like limit the number of uses on the crate. Um, yeah. But when I'm playing like super super deep with like say friend of the cash Charles, um, what they'll do is they'll like go buy one. Go get their loadout with fully loaded. Fully loaded means that the gun comes full with like full ammo. Um, they're uh-huh. like overkill fully loaded. Overkill lets you equip two primary weapons. Um, and then they'll go either buy a second one or go get a second, uh, or like go to the, the free crate and like get one that has like a better like the ghost in the second perk slot, which makes you hard to see on like UAV and uh, uh, or or uh, thermal vision. I forget which. Um, Instead of fully loaded. Yeah, well, because because you don't lose the ammo, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I I get that a lot. Yeah, I I, I guess I get that that level of gameplay, um, in a, in a certain sense. Uh, the other thing that I felt like with loadouts, you know, is, is it created this underdog feeling. This happened last night, which was our most successful like night together. Um, but we we had a couple of engagements where like we won essentially. Um, like there was one where, uh, we like chased down this guy and he killed Mango and I flanked his partner and I killed his partner. And then I basically camped Mango's corpse until the guy showed up to loot it and I killed him there. Um, 
And that feel that actually felt very good just as a player without a loadout to kill someone who had a loadout and then to take his special loadout guns. Um, and being able as a player without a good loadout to loot someone else's loadout gun is almost always nice. Um, like, I know that there are, like, the legendary and epic or whatever guns or whatever, but um, I, I think part of it is just that what players expect or want in in their loadouts tends to be fairly similar. Like, you want snappy uh, scopes on mid-range, you know, assault rifles or whatever else. So it was pretty easy, uh, it felt like, for me to find player-made guns that were good for, that were, like, good and fun for me to to play with um so that part i think is actually kind of neat right like as a someone without a loadout going up against somebody with one and stealing essentially their loadout that was that was kind of neat but i don't know i don't know how i feel about like the whole meta game i definitely see how people like get into it on the level of like you know gems and enchants in world of warcraft or runes and masteries in league of legends right that kind of superstructure to the game where you can sort of manage your I don't know, like, 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 express a little bit of mastery between sessions. I think that that is a good system in general, but I do have some like quarrels with with loadouts. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I think, I think actually part of this is like the die and respawn like kind of loop is kind of actually important to the game because that gives you like a reason to push on another a loadout crate or whatever, right? Like. Um, yeah, I also think that perks are very good and very important, and I wish that they were, you know, I don't know. I want to say better, but I don't. I don't mean better. I like. I wish that they were more accessible in a way that wasn't just like through loadouts. Like, if I could go to a buy station and buy perks, like piecemeal, maybe, or like you start the match with, like, low-level perks or something like that. I, I th- it feels a little bit weird that you get perks out of a loadout, I guess, is really what it comes down to. Yeah, I, I um, think that's supposed to be one of the drivers. Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing there, too, is that the perks actually unlock a lot easier than everything else. It's just your level, right? Like yeah, you, you, yeah, yeah. You don't have to, like, use the gun to unlock the attachments. No, that, that definitely happened, where I picked up the loadout crate just to activate these perks, and then right. I immediately swapped back to the guns that I had, like, looted out of chests. Yeah, and I think that's actually the reason why they they they, they put that there because there's always a reason to go to the loadout, right? It's like to get yeah. perks, um, which in their last installment for the last game, the battle royale, you like picked up like the perks were temporary and you picked them up off the ground and you could use them, which was uh, not nearly as as, as good a, a system, um, I think at least. Um, yeah, I, I don't like. I, I I actually think maybe picking them up off the ground would be kind of neat. Like imagine a world where you pop a crate and there might be a perk in there. And you can like equip it, but it, it's permanent. I don't. I don't like the idea of a temporary one. I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe that would work. It just be. It just be like. It just kind of like pulls. Pulls. Uh, pulls uh, focus away from the crates. I think maybe the solution here is like just not make crates viable. That way, if you want to get a, if you want to get your loadout, you have to kind of run down the barrel of the crate, which um, no, part, part of the brilliance of this um, that I haven't gotten over is that your crate drops in, like, I think it's like 150 meters of you, mm-hmm. but um, they will, like, cluster... So, like, other teams nearby will also have their crates drop down nearby, 
right? So, like, I don't know if you noticed, but, like, our crate would have, like, two or three crates with it. Those other crates were other teams' crates, right? So that's, like, I think supposed to force conflict. Um, I just no, I, I think that part is great, and I love that. Yeah. Um, so I think, like, by doing that and not having the crates be viable, that would be a plus. I think also maybe, like, maybe letting you buy more kill streaks because you can only hold one right now. And, like, that's, like, where a lot of the money goes to. That and, like, self-revides and armor plates. Right. Um, uh, it, it just kind of, like, some of the, like, I think the self-revive is a little bit tough because it's way too easy to kill someone who's down. Maybe not easy, but, like, I have rarely been in a situation where the self-revive, like, works. Or not, it, it's not super rare, but it's, like, not reliable enough for me to want to spend 4500 uh, on it. I, I actually think that if I were a designer on Battle Royales, I would really want to test out a system where if somebody is downed, they cannot be executed, um, except by, like, in melee range. You know what I mean? Like, this is something that was in, weirdly enough, the Gears of War, like, deathmatch or whatever. Or maybe it was, like, their horde mode system. But it was, like, if you went down, I couldn't just shoot you. I had to walk up to you and press a button to, to execute you, right? The, the interaction where somebody downs me and then just shoots me and I, I immediately die is just like so common that it's kind of like, well, why is there even a down system in the first place? Like most of the downs, the person is in a position to follow up with enough shots to just kill me anyway. So yeah. I, do you know what I mean? I think part of that is like, I think part of that is just like speaks to the campy nature of the game. Right. Cause like, that's not true when like you're in a building, right? Like, um, when, like, you falling down, like, puts you out of range, right? You're, like, behind something or you're in a building or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, uh, that's definitely happened. You're, like, a sniper sort of thing. Yeah. You know, somebody snipes you, but you can... You can crawl behind a wall before they can, like, yeah. recock the bolt or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know, I, th I think that, like, that's just kind of the way... I, I think I think this is just kind of, like, in the early game when you're running around kind of helter-skelter or when you're in, like, an exploration phase. Um, like it's just too easy to be caught out and like there's not a lot of recovery available there also because like optimal range is kind of close right like mm -hmm. um like PUBG I, th I feel like had a lot more bullet spread in general right which made it easier to or easier to kind of like get out of the way and like it yeah this is this is also part of my thing I, I also think in PUBG it's because the weapons were like lower quality you know yeah. um but but I had a lot of interactions in PUBG where I would get downed but I would there would be a lot of time where I could like crawl to someone uh, to to bring me back up, and I was fairly resilient in that down in that down phase, right? Yeah. Whereas in in COD, I do not feel that at all. I think I think you've hit it. I think the problem, kind of primarily, is that uh, that like you have more downed health in PUBG. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and having more downed health um, means you survive for like. Not only means that you survive for longer, but also means that, like, if someone is focused on executing you while you're down, they are leaving themselves exposed for their for your teammate to kill you. Um, yeah, this is the, this is the thing that I like about the idea of like a melee downs or whatever. Because right. I I remember that happening a lot in PUBG, where somebody would go down, and the person who killed them was too busy trying to follow up and confirm the kill and that gave us a window to sort of strike back. I never feel I never felt like I had that window in in Call of Duty. Yeah. So. No, I I I agree with that. Um I like 
there are times when it happens, but it's just it's just harder to. Right. No. No. You're absolutely right. I don't, I don't, there haven't been a lot of times where like the execution is is the kill opportunity. Um. Yeah. I also think part of it is because like there, the, one of the things that I found interesting is the super long range engagements or like the the long range engagements that I felt like typified PUBG were rarer than a kind of like mid and close range engagements in COD. And I don't really know what causes that phenomenon specifically. Um, But it also might, you know, kind of like change things a little bit. I felt like I had a lot of interactions with people that were at, at a, you know, 30 to 50 yard range, like fairly, fairly tight and fairly close. Whereas I feel like in PUBG, a lot of things are at like that 75 yard, you know, like very, you know, long yeah. range uh, iron sights on a right on an assault rifle kind of thing. I, th- I think part of it is just like, I don't think people like often like say switch the fire mode on their uh, assault rifle to single to kind of do those yeah. long range shots just because like, I think it's harder to kind of like put enough fire on a person with an assault rifle in single fire mode. Yeah, it also feels it always feels like taking a shot is a liability. Yeah, when you don't have a silenced weapon because you ping on the map, and that is like woof. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I I, yeah, I I think that there are ways to play super long range. It's just also I think that scopes have much more. Like you need to like be a better sniper in in Call of Duty just because like there's more uh, more more sway. Um, Sure. Yeah. Um, and, like, I don't think... I think it's also harder to, to just to line up shots. I think people move more in Call of Duty, and maybe that's yeah, just, Yeah, this like, is part of the mobility thing. Yeah. Uh, I felt like in PUBG, because people were more sluggish, right, I had a much easier time sniping people down. Yeah, yeah. In, in Call of Duty, I was picking up sniper rifles, and I was taking shots with them, but it's just, like, you know, the mobility that they have access to, and not just things like they physically move faster in the... Uh, like, through the world, right? But, like... Being able to to do slides, crouch stuff, prone stuff, uh, jumping into and out of stuff, uh, like all, all all of that also really affects uh, like my ability to, to to snipe targets. Yeah, I, I think I think another part of that too is just like kind kind of simply that um, the Call of Duty player base is more accustomed to that that kind of movement. Right, like yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I actually think that this it, this like common DNA is something that underwrites a lot of like Warzone. Is that like because it's using the same sort of like guns as the the base multiplayer? Um, you find like there are interact like I think those those mid level interactions that I'm talking about just kind of like naturally push people into those closer quarters, right? Like maybe if you're a Warzone player who never touches like the the deathmatch version of Call of Duty. You think of loadouts in sort of that longer range, but I bet if you're somebody who's like, "Oh fuck, I need to just like get a bunch of stuff for this stupid loadout." So, I'm going to play a bunch of deathmatch with a loadout I with with guns I like. Well, now you're bringing those guns with you into your loadout in Warzone, and that loadout is encouraging you to take deathmatch style engagements that are in that 30 to 50 yard range. Um I, I bet that that ha- that has a real effect on on how people take those kinds of engagements. Yeah, I, I def I definitely agree with that. Um, I think part of it is also just kind of like the reliability of guns in Call of Duty is much higher than those in, in like PUBG in particular. Yeah. Um, 
Right, I like, mean, yeah, even even the long range, like high quality snipers, right, like are not incredibly reliable weapons. Um, oh, so I, I think that's I think that's I think the the snipers are like the worst. But I think most of the guns in, in Call of Duty are like super reliable. Like they like if you're if you're ADS, like their 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 spread is incredibly tight. Um, I think yeah, that's that's very true. Um, I think there's some amount of magnetism in the game, um, and apparently if you play with the control with the controller. They just like mm-hmm. give you aim assist and magnetism to help you compete against the keyboard players, uh, which I think is kind of hilarious. Uh, it almost makes me want to play with the controller. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, if 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 it, if if it makes you happy, right? Like, I mean, like we. I, I yeah, I don't know how they how they do it. You know, like for for instance, I think. Um, well, I don't really know, but like uh, the making that balance work well. Ma- like so that mouse and keyboard players and controller players uh, can like compete. Uh, that's it's a tough thing, and you yeah. know, being able to do it well is no small feat. Yeah, apparently, there's like, like based on engaged distance, like there's an op, like you know, like there's like a, a tier list as to which is better, just because like you get like you can get like really ridiculous magnetism on the controller. Um, but you know, that whatever works, whatever works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just to call back to something you mentioned uh, at the top of the episode, uh, in terms of gunplay, um, I like the kind of style of gunplay that they have. But something that like, like I really missed when we were dabbling in Killing Floor um, was that like there's like no hit markers in Killing Floor, and I, like the hit markers in Call of Duty just feel feel right. Um, like oh I, really in Killing Floor? Yeah, there are no hit markers in Killing Floor. Yeah, because um, it just like. Especially, like, because, like, there's a lot of iron-sided guns, it feels kind of hard to, like, be like, oh, I should, like, be sure that the thing that you shot is what killed it. Um, uh, that, that, that always, like, felt weird to be in kill- That felt weird to be in Killing Forge is why I like it in in Call of Duty. And, uh, I don't know. It's just, like, a, it's like a very uh, nice feeling thing, I guess, is the right way to put it. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, what, so, I think in Killing Forge it might just be because of, like, the the kinesthetic response of getting like a headshot, getting like a super gooey headshot or something. You don't want to yeah. like interrupt that in a way. Um, Cause I, in a certain sense, the hit marker in killing floor, especially with some of like these beefier, right? Like flesh pounds and scrakes or whatever. Um, you're getting blood responses in a way, right? right. Like physical blood on their model. Um, or like the, you watch the, you watch like the Zeds stumble. Um, I, I would really wonder about about that though, because I, I get that. I, I think it's an, an important thing in COD because like being able to see like when your shots are dealing damage and when not really matters. Um, so, so I think this is a thing to explore in Killing Floor too, because yeah. I bet you a big part of it is I was playing the the like the sniper, like the marksman, right? And I was like my base gun has iron sights, and so it's hard to kind of see those effects with the gun up. Um, and I was playing it like COD, right? Like, I, pl- I play it like, you know, like, aim down sight, pull the trigger, right? So, like, um, maybe there's, like, a hit marker option that you can turn on in Killing Floor that I'm not aware of. But uh, I, I bet you it's because I'm playing Marksman that makes it, like, that, that exacerbates the problem in Killing Floor. Um, yeah, so uh, part, of my, part of my thing is the, um, uh, is, like, I feel like the interaction with Marksman itself. Like, first of all, in Killing Floor, you have guns like the Flamethrower. It's like, how do you do a hit marker with like the flamethrower yeah um but also i don't think the iron sights are great in killing floor uh especially on that winchester which i really fucking don't love um i like i like the iron sight. like i mean part of this is that it is the bad gun uh and that you upgrade into and so later you're gonna pick up a falcon or an ebr or whatever um and it's gonna have a scope that has like a nice you know 
like a red dot or something kind of like that to to make it to make it easier but just yeah like using using the winchester and then you have these iron sights where it like kills the whole bottom of your screen um i hate that i hate that so much yeah i mean i i, I get that but that's you know that that is roughly how real guns work um yeah I mean, I like it. I, th- I think part of it is that, like, in a certain sense, some of these some of these are built not to have good sights. Um, like the Mosin also doesn't have a scope, but I think that that sight is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, th- 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 this is also a thing that was true of historical firearms, right? Like, yeah. some guns had better iron sights than others. Uh, but yeah. Um, I, funnily enough, I was thinking about this too because um, I have not shot a lot of real guns in my time. But like, like the difference between like a paper target and a metal target is like the paper target, like you can't really see your shots necessarily. But like mm-hmm. the metal target, you get that nice ding if you hit it. It's like a real yeah. life hit marker. So that was like the 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 thing I was I was thinking about when thinking about the hit marker difference. Yeah, um, so, and, and then the other thing, this is one of those things about the the kind of pve fps versus pvp fps things is that like in a pvp fps you are typically not measured on like shot density in the same way that you are with a pve fps with a pve fps you want to have high shot density at all times you constantly want to be putting out damage and putting out as much damage as you possibly can right so like taking time to to set up your shots is not a good priority in in one of those types of games um you because you you waste time doing that and there is such an incoming flow of targets that you just need to be putting out more damage than that it's like it's it's something that prioritizes dps in other words whereas in in like cod um that is much less true and it is more about like the quality of the shots and the and and what you're taking than than quantity, right? Um, because you're never going to be overwhelmed by enemy opponents who just tank all of your bullets, um, and you're never going to unload a whole bullet into some or a whole clip into somebody without downing them, right? Um, so that that stuff doesn't matter as as much. This is actually part of what what I like. I I don't think I enjoy sniping in Call of Duty or like Warzone or anything as much as I enjoy sniping in like Payday Two, for instance, because there is like the target acquisition fire target acquisition fire and you need to make that as quick as possible you know what i mean which is not really the way that you know the war zone encourages you to like to snipe yeah yeah i i think i think that's just kind of generally like like you said like a pvp versus pve thing right like yeah, you're generally yeah, yeah. dealing with like a lot of small enemies um where even even in multiplayer where you're pl- we're dealing with a relatively higher density of players like it's really mm-hmm. o- rarely over three um and even then it's still like short bursts of high intensity right like yeah like you never have a situation where you are just staring down a wall of damageable targets right and you unload the entirety of your clip into those targets and they still keep coming do you know what i mean yeah yeah um that's because either you die or they die right out. Uh, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. So uh, there is another aspect of this that I did want to talk about, which is um, the like the militaristic aspect. Um, the I, I, I find I find this really interesting and a little bit um, 
and a little bit uh, weird coming into it. Because one of the things that was interesting about PUBG is there's kind of this, like, dystopic, dystopian nature to all yeah, of it. Yeah, like Eastern Bloc, roughly... Yeah, and you're picking up these, like, shitty guns that feel like they've been lying there for years, and they, like, and it's not like you see rust on them, right? But it feels like they're rusty, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And there's something about the, like, the operators are, you know, they're in all of this combat gear, and you're picking up these guns that have, like, oh, super cool weapon skins, and they're, like, sleek and everything. Um, And I feel, there's just something so weird about that about that for me and i don't really know how else to say but it's just like weird yeah i mean that's that's cod right like um and oh, by the way all the guns are like real guns with the, with the serial number filed off um and not in like the so that that's weird because it's a thing you can do to a real gun which is illegal don't do that kids um but like right but like it is referencing and yeah, whatever the a, a real is. firearm right yeah. Um, and technically, I think only, like, the whole thing is, like, the the gun in Call of Duty doesn't have, like, you know, the same interior mechanics because it's, like, a piece of code, right? Like, it's, like, a polygon without any internals. But, like, the, that's, how I think, how they get away with it. Um, uh, uh, but, but like, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I think that's just a COD thing. I think this is also, like, like you know. I think, I think it might honestly just be a COD thing. Um, this because is, this, I don't interact with these kinds of shooters very commonly, so it's just like a little like, whoa. You know? I mean, th- this is also kind of like at, at the risk of, of veering into controversy, why you get take like where you get COD players being like, why do you have to make everything so political when you're playing like the army game where you're shooting? Like- that, that, I, well, honestly, this is sort of the feeling that I had. I walk into this, I'm like, wow, this game is really political. You know what I mean? Because like something like Apex Legends, which is like in the future, and you're dealing with fucking robots, and like the guns are all like, you know, like whatever that just feels so very far removed from like reality whereas like in cod it's like they want to convince me i am a soldier on the ground executing enemy combatants and i know that that sounds obvious right but like i don't know it's just that's just a weird thing for somebody who never interacts with like the cod franchise to like walk into yeah, I also think that, like, part of it is that, like, even though, like, it, it like it echoes these real-world things, it really, like, in the mo- for the most part, isn't that political, really. Like, I know I know that that sounds, like, weird, but, like, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's, it's much less, like, you know, yes, there are moments, and yes, there's, like, a, a lot of, frankly, American jingoism in there, um, but, like, yeah. it's not like you're fighting... You know, like the like like the the USSR or like even like Vladimir Putin's Russia, right? Like you're fighting uh-huh. like Russian terrorists, um, and like you know sometimes they get they they get close, and also like especially in the multiplayer, which is I people don't play the uh, uh, the the things that like the 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 campaign as much, but it's like it's less also armed forces, it's more like private military contractors, which is like... Well, yeah, so one of the weird things about it is that I... Because I have played COD before, right? Like, I played Modern Warfare and stuff like that, uh, like Black Ops. And I almost think that the context of the campaign might be the thing that's, like, hitting, hitting me weird here. Like, just walking into it without the context of the campaign is just... 
Because it wants to kind of convince you that, like, whatever, Verdansk is, like, a real place. But just, like, but also the there there's this dissonance because it's, like, in no world would there be a thing where you airdrop in 250 people and they pick up a bunch of guns in abandoned apartment buildings and shoot the shit out of each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, there's just something so weird about that. Yeah, and part part of that is because it's it's like even though it's good, it's like tacked on to the uh-huh. the the modern warfare, right? And like, yeah, like they have like like I played some of the multiplayer, and they've really kind of pulled back from a lot of the real world con- like real world conflict level of things. Um, even as far as like the last modern warfare, there was like you know uh, like there were like vaguely like real military. But now it's like all like there's like the alliance and the coalition, right? Like. And like, they're like they have like ties back to the old things with like you know it's like, yes the the I think they're just supposed to be like two PMCs right um, yeah um, and so like and you know everybody's playing a character right so it's like you know it's 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 kind of like it's kind of like the weird like Overwatchification of of COD which is like a weird thing to say but like I think it's kind of accurate. Right, like no, I so I, I secretly think I mean I played a bunch of Overwatch recently and I think Overwatch is a good game, obviously. But I think I secretly think that Overwatch's big sort of impact might have been introducing people to sort of character based shooters in a way. Where you're not just playing because like also Siege does a little bit of this, um, where it's like uh, I will you know, you're not just... stop you right there because my like six hundred hours in Team Fortress two begs to differ. <laughs> But, uh, that's fair, that's fair. But uh, but I just feel like, you know, Team Fortress 2 lived in a world where, like, in COD and, and, and Battlefield, you weren't adopting the persona of an operator, right? You were just, whatever, yeah. you were just, like, some random fucking yeah, no, guy. I, and now it feels like every game wants you to be a character with a backstory. You know what I mean? So, so the thing that I will point out here is that in Team Fortress 2, like, the, the characters all had this kind of personality, but they didn't really become characters until later into the game's life cycle, right? Like, yeah. like Team Fortress 2 became the game that Overwatch started at, right? If that makes sense, right? right. Like, because, um, like, it started as buy-to-play. It started without this, with this, like, low level of, like, information on the characters. They had personalities, but it wasn't so super crazy. Um, and, like, as it grew, it, like, you know, gave each character distinct personality, had storylines, and, like, um, also went free-to-play, right? <laughs> um, and had microtransactions and hats, you know. <coughs> One of the first great cosmetics uh like probably the still biggest single cosmetic farm was uh or marketplace i guess was tf2 because you could sell them to other players right like which yeah. is the thing and that- i actually i i mean th- th- this has been people have talked about this for a long time i don't think hats are good because i think having recognizable silhouettes is important um you know, I, so I, this is this is a clearly you know I, I'm copying somebody else's homework here. Like somebody has made that point or, or whatever. But yeah, no, oh, Team Fortress Two absolutely is like the the er you yeah. know the example of it. It's kind of how I talk about actually. It's kind of how I talk about Venture Brothers. Like I've talked about Venture Brothers before on the podcast as like the beginning place of sort of these adult animation shows that have like continuity but are also sort of like nominally parodies like Rick and Morty or whatever um, like the, the, the like Team Fortress 2 walked so that Overwatch could run in a way or yeah. that Warzone could run in a way yeah I mean like I mean, PUBG walked like PUBG walked so Warzone could run 
which is kind of yeah, sad yeah, given that sure. like PUBG is like the upstart. PUBG watch. No, it does, it is so honestly. For, so, well, I mean, you know, so Fortnite could like like you know steal its crutches and like vault. <laughs> <laughs> steal his crutches and just like mercilessly like beat it for 10 <laughs> seconds before you know sprinting towards the finish line yeah yeah listen listen aquaman is playable in fortnite therefore it's a good game mango Oof. man we at some point we, we're gonna have to like do the fortnite thing at some point mm-hmm. uh um but uh yeah, so like I actually have Fortnite downloaded right now, so we could do that at some really? point. Yeah, uh, one oh of my, my one of my friends wanted to uh, play for uh, like uh, one of my high school friends wanted to play for like a birthday thing, so I like downloaded it. Um, uh, but uh, um, but in, in that kind of vein, right? Like, like it, it's it's funny to watch these things reflect photo because like. I get what you're saying about, like, the hats, right? Like, I don't think hats really affect the, the silhouette too much because it's just centered around the head, right? Like, I think the mm-hmm. silhouettes in TF2 are still fairly recognizable. Um, and, like, uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, Overwatch, like, it's just, like, is, is very skinny, if that makes sense, right? Like, it, so, like, it keeps the, the, the fundamental uh, silhouette in, intact. But I think yeah. this, is, this is kind of funny because in Warzone, like, like there are some goofy-looking costumes that I've unlocked, but, like, you don't want to use those in the war zone because you can see people, right? Like, like when I'm playing multiplayer, <laughs> I, like, I wear, like, goofy costumes, and I, like, put, like, these, like, like you know, razzle-dazzle camo on my guns. But when I'm in the war zone, it's like, you know, I put the green camo on my guns so that when I'm yeah. crouching in a bush, people can't see me. <laughs> um, and, like, I don't know, I just, like... I mean, you know, it, it reminds me of people playing, like, Odd Job in GoldenEye because he was, like, physically smaller and a harder-to-hit yeah, yeah. model. And, like, playing Jaws was a mistake because Jaws was bigger or whatever. It's, like, right, that right, kind right. of thing, you know. Th- this is more water finds a crack sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, like, you know, it's it's uh, it, it's a little thing. But, like, you know, it's like, it's you know, if I got if I got a, a rocket launcher on my back that's painted green and I crouched in the bush, it's really hard to see me. So, uh Maybe yeah. I'll do that instead of wearing the riot shield with like a bright purple camo on it, which is un- so yeah. So that that actually brings up another thing because uh, the the rocket launchers I think are, is another interesting piece of of uh, of cod. We used vehicles very rarely in yeah. in our ten hours of play compared to how often you use vehicles in PUBG, um, and I think it is because rocket launchers right people will not commonly but they might have an rpg7 or whatever yeah and just being able to like nuke you with a you know with a missile or something really changes up like the vehicle play um which i thought was like another interesting kind of addition uh especially because there's also the deployable trophy system that like stops those things from hurting you somehow like we we had an interaction where we were trying to fire rockets at a car but then the car dropped the trophy system and it was like wow fuck they countered us like kind of thing yeah no it's uh it's i think i think it's interesting counterplay um and one of the thing that's i think is like a little bit less fun um it worked it worked very well early on when i was playing but like if you'd use like a homing missile on something um Mm -hmm. like they get like a warning and so like you'll see a helicopter just like everybody will bail out and pull their shoots and then like the helicopter will fall to the ground with your missile following after it um, oh, that's actually kind of lame. Yeah. Um, I have gotten a couple of quadra kills with it, though, which, uh, you know, is, is You know, satisfying. listen, high highs, low lows. Yeah, I get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, 
But yeah. Uh, I guess this is just like the modern state of Battle Royale. Uh, ironically, I think the real thing is that it makes me want to go back and play Apex. Because uh, I remember liking Apex a lot and I think and thinking like very highly of Apex, even though, you know, I fell off that game pretty quickly. Um, and uh, and I want to kind of like compare them because I have a feeling that like Warzone and Apex are much closer to where I think, you know, like where I want to play the Battle Royale genre. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to me. This isn't Battle Royale, but it is Apex related. Um, I am currently downloading Titanfall 2. Uh, oh, I have because, heard that because it just came to Steam, right? It just came to Steam and it got revived, and I love Titanfall. I love, love, love Titanfall. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I had a couple of friends that uh, that worked at uh, Titanfall too before they changed pants or whatever. Uh, what, what happened with them? EA, it was respawn. Yeah, it's still and then respawn. EA bought the, EA, yeah, EA and then bought they bought respawn. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, and then a bunch of people split off. Yeah, I mean, as as they do. Um, but yeah, I, I am I am hyped for Titanfall two to be like real again. Uh, Actually, yeah, I mean, Titanfall uh, was always a game that really appealed to me, and then Origin was just like, no, buddy, stop. Uh, especially because, like, you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed about about Titanfall on on a, um, I don't know, on a high level was, like, the movement mechanics, like the wall running and all of that stuff. Uh, like, it reminded me a lot of um, Tribes Ascension, or not Tribes Ascension, just Tribes whatever one of the tribes games because i played a ton of tribes uh in like land parties in high school or whatever and they had that very kind of skatey uh skatey yep. movement so it was very neat seeing that come back with titanfall yep uh you know what you know what's really funny uh i played a lot of tribes in college when they did their uh their like uh well, the tribes ascend i think um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. played with friend of the cast, June Killot, and then Hyra's fucking abandoned it for Smite, and I will not like. I, I have been like soured on Hyra's ever since. No, I remember when that happened. Well, so I was playing. I think I was playing Tribes too, and we were also playing like there were a bunch of specific mods when it came to Tribes, um, and uh, and like one of them, one of them was called Wego, which is what is going on, and it was just like that one was fucking nuts. Because um, it just like fucked with the physics a, a whole bunch, so like you could get shot and just like ragdoll out for twenty minutes. Um, but anyway, like yeah, I played a ton of tribes too, uh, and and so I've always had. I think in a certain sense, this has kept me off of shooters a little bit. I've I've always had a lot of um, admiration for for those kinds of shooters that are that are like that skaty. Oh, I, well, Overwatch actually reminds me a lot of this um, in terms of like in terms of movement and also in terms of like health like one of the things about tribes is that like you had slow characters with lots of health and armor that was like yeah okay it's easy to shoot them right but it takes a long time for them to go down um and then they had like bursty you know like very very small bursty boys who would uh get just like blown up instantaneously basically um and that's something that like you know you don't see a lot in modern shooters basically everyone has more or less the same hp yeah no that's uh that's that that's that's true i think because i mean overwatch has has variable hp characters but i get what you're saying i think i think that's just like easier to balance yeah. Um, and I also think that, like, you don't have roles like that. Like, in Overwatch, you can give Reinhardt 600 HP yeah, versus yeah. Tracer's 150 because, like, there's a difference between tank and DPS. Um, but uh, you don't have that same sort of in- interaction in, like, Call of Duty. And I also imagine that, like, even in, so, for instance, even in, um, in, like, Payday, you'll have this where you'll have 
big beef beef boy characters who, who bring in a ton of an or armor, um, but they move very slow. And then you'll have like very zippy guys. Um, there's a special build, uh, the Akimbo build, where you don't wear armor, but you have dodge chance as long as you are moving at max speed. And like it, those those two play very differently because one of them you can just you're walking around at slow speed and taking tons of fire, but you can dish it back out kind of thing. Uh, and in the other one, you have to be really zipping, but then you're pop-pop with your, you know, your pistols. So, yeah. No, and, and I, I, I definitely think that, uh, uh, that like Titanfall 2 is, is, was kind of like a, an error, an error in some ways, right? Like I, like Titanfall 1, I think was great. And like, I never played Titanfall 2 with anything, but the zip line. Cause like, why the hell else would you, what else would you use? Like, what's the point? You're doing yeah. this, you can zip line around and be like a, you know, a zippy asshole. It's like the best. It's the best thing. It's like why I love playing Pathfinder in, uh, in Apex. It's just like, wee! I just, <laughs> it's just, uh, I, I remember being do so pe- excited. Do people, not like this, do people not like the zip line in Titanfall 2? No, I think they, no, no, people like the zip line. Oh, okay. It's, it's like they, oh, okay. They, had, uh, they have other options that, like, <clears throat> maybe some people use, but, you know, I know what's wrong with them. Um, <laughs> no, it is. I just, uh, it's. It, I, I remember being so hyped when the Titanfall two announced trailer dropped. Like I like, I was just like I like watched it. Like uh, I'm 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 so excited that it's alive again. Um, but uh, that is we've kind of meandered off course. But it's time for our weeks, I guess. Buddy, how was your week? Uh, well, the good news is. Uh, I well, so obviously I played a lot of Warzone, um, but I've also been playing a lot of other games, uh, specifically Total War Warhammer, which I have put an ungodly amount of hours in. You know, uh, the the last two weeks, mostly because so you know there there was a there was this always happens with me in Total War Warhammer, where like there's a new content patch. You know, I put 43 hours into the last two weeks. So I pick up the game and I start a bunch of campaigns. And this is typically how it works. I will start four campaigns and then rotate between them. So every time I go to play, I will play, you know... For, for this one, it was Lizardmen, Greenskins... Um, Lizardmen, Greenskins, High Elves, and Warriors of Chaos, right? And, like, typically I'm looking for a little a little variety in there. There's kind of the Order Factions... And, like, the dark factions, in a way. Like, the Order factions look like High Elves, Empire, Dwarves, right? Um, Lizardmen are, like, the, the, the big staples here. And um, and then, like, the, the dark factions of, like, Skaven, Dark Elves, right? Um, Greenskins, uh, Vampire Counts. And they, they tend to t- play pretty, like, opposite. So, like, I will rotate through them. But I have... Uh, I abandoned my Greenskins playthrough because... First of all, there were a bunch of bugs that really sucked about the initial patch with, like, all of these new green skins updates, right? Um, but second of all, uh, I just found myself in a pretty, like, unwinnable scenario where I was just at war with every single person around me, and it felt like I was in a... In, and I, it was just impossible for me to ever dig myself out of that hole. Like, I could hold all of the provinces that I had. I basically immediately defeated the dwarves out of the campaign, but then I was faced down with, like, strength one rank... Skaven and strength two rank empire on opposite sides and it was just like well I at some point I'm eventually just going to get overrun and I'm constantly playing defense and I'm never going to really be able to do offense again so that's when I abandoned that game um 
and then I picked up a Dark Elves game, which has been much more fun than typical. One of the things that makes Dark Elves very fun is that uh, they their, their economy is dependent on slaves, right? So something that you want to be doing commonly... So, so there's a couple of different ways that like the, these factions play, right? If you're, a, uh, if you're a faction that looks like Norska or looks like Greenskins, you're, you're typically like a sack and raise faction where... Your goal isn't to set up a powerful sort of like internal mechanism. Your internal economy is very bad, but you are getting tons and tons of gold out of sacking settlements. Um, and that's what fuels your economy, right? You know, you're not really sitting at positive, you know, like you're not building income buildings that are making you a lot of money. You are running around sacking high value settlements of your enemies and then raising them to the ground and continuing on, you know, your warpath or whatever. And the Dark Elves also play into this, but their economy gets good by getting slaves. So when you take big battles and then capture a bunch of uh, a bunch of casualties afterwards, right, you will then add like 500, 600, 1,000 slaves to your economy that all go back to like your provinces um, and that interaction has just been so fucking satisfying because there, it's like the perfect sweet spot of both the, the order type gameplay where you get your provinces, you defend your provinces, you build them up so that they're powerful and that like your economy is good. Right. And, uh, like second raise gameplay where you're running around the map, sacking everything you can possibly find in order to keep your economy afloat. Um, because then you just end up with these just like astronomical numbers uh of gold i don't know it's 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 nuts but it's uh but it's a lot of fun um the thing that sucks about the green the, 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 so the big changes that came in were for high elves and green, green skins both of the which got new units um high elves didn't get really big high level changes but they just added these new units to the game but green skins got like completely reworked right so now the way that the green skin tribes work is you generate fightiness over time, uh, typically by raising settlements. If you raise a settlement, you get a bunch of fightiness. If you win battles, you get fightiness or whatever. And then when you're at 100, you declare a faction and declare a wah on that faction. So, you know, you will say, I am going to wah the, the dwarves or whatever. And then the capital of that faction becomes a target and you have 20 turns to take that capital to complete your wah. If you do, you get a big bonus, like a faction-wide bonus called a trophy. So, like, you know, wawing the dwarves will give you, like, construction cost, like, uh, bonuses. Um, wawing against the Skaven will give you, like, growth and, and casualty replenishment rate, that, that sort of thing. Um, but if you fail your wah, you don't get a trophy, right? And when you have very low fightiness, you, get, you can get, like, really, like, fucked by that. Um, and so that, that has honestly been very cool, especially because it really incentivizes you to raise settlements, which typically is not something you're incentivized to sack settlements by, by a lot of these, like, like, you know, like the dark elves or whatever, but you're also incentivized to like occupy settlements. If you're a lizard man, you typically don't sack stuff. You just occupy it because you don't really get all that much out of sacking, out of sacking things. Um, and with greenskins they kind of joined the horde factions which are warriors of chaos and um uh, beastmen in the prime way that they interact with settlements on the battlefield is to raise them to increase their fightiness because they they want to like build towards that wall and so um i don't know that's just been that's just like been 
been very interesting to sort of see play out. Uh, and it sucks that my first campaign, like, fucking flopped. Uh, I'm going to probably come back to it very soon and give it another shot with maybe one of the different legendary lords uh, to see if I have a better time and a better, like, in a better start location or with some, like, better tactics, that kind of thing. Yeah. No, that, that's, that sounds super awesome. I, I do want to jump into that at some point. Um, we will be doing an episode it is such a, Yeah, it is such a different game than yeah. the game that you would have played, like, you know, two, two four, four years ago? Jesus, how long has this game been out? A while. Um, yeah. um, on my end, I actually haven't played a ton of games. I played, obviously, Warzone with you. Um, uh-huh. Did I play any, like, Gungeon? I don't think I did this week. Um, obviously, you know, it's kind of, like, been, been tooling around with stuff. Uh... What else? Uh, uh, huh? Not a lot to, to talk about in that way. Uh, but I do kind of want to talk about Star Wars. Um, what do you, like, uh, how, how do you feel about, about the last session? Just because, like, I... I oh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We should talk about the last session. Uh, the last session was interesting. Um, I... God... I almost sort of like don't remember what happened in a way. Yeah, so uh. <laughs> so, so well, let's also go over for the folks at home. We, we picked up the siege, which was a a mission that had been ongoing for or that had been available for a while, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the and like so we, we basically had to infiltrate this planet that was being bombed by the Golden Armada. Uh, we were doing it for the Imperial Remnant to assassinate a member of the Black Sun. Uh, to keep their stuff from getting off planet. Um, and, uh, you know, we went through, like, we had a scene in the orbital ship, um, then we went to the planet, and, like, pretty quickly dealt with, like, the the finding of the target part of this. Um, and then, like, we had a split scene, like, half on the ship and half on the, the planet. Um, and then, like, it, it felt like there was, like, a lot, like, less... Like, it felt, like, not, not in a bad way, but it felt kind of, like, clean, in a way. Um, so, yeah, th- part of this is that I don't think I did a very good job, like, like keeping my own improv rules. Maybe this is just, like, a tired uh, tiredness thing. Like, I actually kind of felt bad for D4 and Ark, uh, who ended, Zhao and, and Fail, who ended up going back up to the ship. Because that was not, not something... Um, that I, I just like felt like I didn't have a good a good sort of uh, like entrance to get them into into the story in a way because of like sort of the parameters of the lore that I had set up with like no right. communication between groups or whatever and I felt like very I like, almost like backed myself into a corner away and I made them kind of kind of worthless and I also think that so part of this was like I wrote in a twist in a way which is like the target you're going after already died right um as as you are trying to like track this guy down and find him um and uh and and that didn't quite play out in the way that I like had hoped I guess yeah I mean I I think because like we kind of like didn't cotton to the twist like to the twisty part of the twist until you kind of uh uh, until, until you kind of like you know gave us a big hint, right? Like, um... yeah. Part of me was like, sh- I I really agonized about that hint. Uh, really, kind of two of them in a, in a certain sense, sort of like back to back. 
And I don't know if it was the right choice. Like, maybe the right choice would have should have just been, I should have let you guys fail the mission. Uh, but, like, I feel like the natural response would have been, well, I should have been able to make a check to, to, to check yeah. that I was being deceived or whatever. And so, you know, you did make that check. And then you made the check so you realized you were being deceived. And so it, it all worked out. I don't yeah, know. I, I think that, I think that, like, that kind of thing there is also useful for, like, putting the party on notice, right? Like, you know, like, you know, between the last session where things weren't always the same in this session, right? Like, I think we're fairly forewarned that these are possibilities now, right? Like, whereas, like, yeah. I might have not, like, like I was totally, like, I would have totally been taken, uh, taken back, aback by, like, it, like, that guy, like, that not making sense. And, like, not because, like, the plot made, like, you know, like, that, that like, there wasn't something fishy about the plot, but just because, like, I didn't think about the plot in that kind of way, right? Like, I, like, it never occurred to me to doubt what was happening, right? Like, yeah, any sort of, like, any sort of, like, weirdness I would have thought about the plot would have been just, like, oh, that's just kind of, like, the way things are happening, right? Like, yeah, part of this is that, like, I, I had always intended this to be a very double-crossing mission, right? right. In, which is, I feel like, very natural for Star Wars. But especially with, like, you know, you're dealing with, like, Black Sun spy yeah. shit, right? You know, obviously, and, like, you guys double-crossed Black Sun, in, or, I'm sorry, the Imperial Remnant, in the way that you approached the mission, which I also think is, like, that's fine. That was, I mean, I almost want to say encouraged. That was encouraged. Uh, yeah, whatever. That was encouraged, right? Like, um, and and so I like I want to leave that that kind of stuff open, but I don't know. I do feel like I I think at the end of the day I'm happy with my I'm the decision since I made the right choice, but I'm not happy that like it kind of sucked the 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 tension out of the out of the mission itself, which isn't something I had really like anticipated in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like once it became like ah oh, fuck like. I really should give them an opportunity to detect that there is something incorrect going on. Because um, what, what ended up happening with the big twist is that the the their target had already died, and he had just died of, a, of effectively a mundane death, right? Like, his he had a rebreather, his rebreather malfunctioned, he suffocated, that sucks. And then there was another guy at the scene where they found his corpse, and he was telling a story that, you know... I felt like didn't make sense, but also it's tough to like communicate that in a way to players. I yeah. don't know. No, so I'm I'm gonna be completely honest with you. While this was all going down, right? Like while Walrover was explaining this like convoluted plot to you know Admiral Wesh, right? Like I was like I wasn't like I was so far away from like thinking that this was like a problem. I honestly in my head was like, you know, why is, why is, you know, and, you know, love you, Warren, but, like, why is Warren explaining this? Why isn't he just, like, yada yada over it so we can get through with it? It doesn't matter that it doesn't make sense because it's clearly the plot, you know, like, you know. Yeah, no, because, see, this is the thing. The plot being weird and convoluted it was almost like a tell, right? Where it's yeah. just like, wait, this guy, this just doesn't make fucking sense. What is this guy saying? He is obviously lying to us, right? Sure. But, like, it, it, yeah, I don't know. But, like, it, it, it's... Because it comes from the GM, and it feels like the truth, I guess. Yeah, not only that, but, like, kind of, like, an improv game where the plot gets kind of, like, screwy is, like, and maybe, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> That's also super true. Where it's, like, 
fuck it. We lost we lost the thread and mm. eventually ended up in just a completely weird space. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, like, I'm not going to be the guy that's like, buddy, buddy, this doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, like, you know, like, because like, if you don't mean it, then that's just me like shitting on you, right? Like, um, well, and the funny thing is, is that like, I, I actually feel like we typically have that question comes up a lot, but I typically have an explanation for it, right? Where it's like, oh well, this, that, yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Um, and and the thing is, is that, and and this is this is part of my problem when I talk about those things i'm talking as sort of like a a narrative authority like a narrative authority on oh well this is why it's going on right and those are things that are supposed to be believed in a way right? right but then there are also moments where characters are talking in that exact same way but they are talking as characters they're not talking as the gm if that makes sense and it's like well, how do you thread the needle of these characters are not implicitly trustworthy, but when I do it, I am implicitly trustworthy, right? Yeah. Um, because I because in those narrative sections where it is me, the GM, outlining reasoning for why things are happening, like you pass a knowledge check and I give you some insight into why these things are going on, that will never be a lie, and I wouldn't want to foster a situation where you expect me, the GM, to lie to you in a knowledge check or whatever, about what's going on. But I do have to lie to you, or not have to, but I do lie to you through the voice of these characters as they are explaining their actions in what otherwise seems fairly similar ways to me. Yeah. And I think that's the hard part. I think this is, like, a weird thing where, like, sometimes characters speak narratively, right? Like, if that makes sense, right? Like, And this is especially yeah, yeah, true yeah. in, like, video games, right? Like, where, like... In lieu of a narrator, a character in a cutscene explains everything. You're just kind of like, okay, this is what's happening, right? Like, it would be weird for a twist to happen. Um, or I will – part of it maybe is just like this. Like, I will speak narratively about characters. Like, yeah. you will ask a character a question, and I will say, well, he answers by saying this, that, and the other thing, right? Right. And that is me, the GM, imparting objectively true data in the sense that the character does literally say these things. But the content of that objectively true data being essentially the the paraphrased quote out of the character might be incorrect because he is deceiving you or he has incomplete data or whatever else. You know what I mean? And so those are situations where it gets very confusing. Yeah, I, I think like maybe like like voices or like, you know, at least like what like like uh, and again, not 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 to to to, to criticize you, but like uh-huh. like sometimes when you speak as characters, like it doesn't. It doesn't sound like you're speaking as a character, um, and like you know, that's just like the way things are sometimes, right? Like, yeah, um, we all have like various voice acting talents. It's just like, and it's like not a fault. It's just like a harder thing to kind of parse, if that makes sense. Um, no, I absolutely get you, and I absolutely agree. I, I agree with yeah. you, it's, especially like you know, like, like if like Wesh talking was e- was like easy for me to put myself in that kind of like space because like Wesh had a very distinct accent um, from like Space Brooklyn. Um, and you know, and like you know, and like you know, he also like kind of like oozed sliminess, right? Like, um, mm. whereas like, um, whereas like uh, Rincor, whatever his name was, right? Like, just didn't have, like, didn't impress upon me as much as a character. And part of that, I think, is just like you know, we didn't have a ton of time with him, right? Like, um, yeah, and like, you know, and like he was a Twilight, but I kind of forgot about that, right? Like, you know, he didn't like seem like. Bib Fortuna, I guess, is like the, it's like his closest like analog. It's just like a hard thing to impart well, right? Like, 
Um, and, you know, it, it's the tough thing to do, right? Like, see, my fits and starts whenever I'm trying to speak at Gungan. Um, where, like, I'll just, like, give up halfway through because, like, speaking in, like, a weird half-racist pigeon is just hard to do. Um, yeah, no, that also happens to me where, okay, especially because, like, no, it's not just one thing. It's like a, a, a zillion things. Yeah, right. Like um, I, I can work on my gun gun. You have to like you know be ready to do like seventeen different fan, you know Star Wars races, uh, and like make... yeah, honestly. And part of it is that I kind of hate that I did Space Brooklyn um, because like part of it is that like I I don't want. I think some of this is natural, where like I am relying on real world references right like there was one where you guys were fighting uh, like in brownstones or whatever um which is not a very star wars way to fight but i felt fine about that because it's like the 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 world it's all carved out of this rock or whatever so it's like a very brick and mortar type type world like i was like okay who cares um but like i don't want to reference things that like take you out of that star wars place in a way and so i feel like space brooklyn does that right um, which I, which I, which I don't love. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, like, I guess Space Boston exists because of the Mandalorian. Yeah, Space yeah. England exists because of, you know, uh... Yeah, no, I, so it's, like, Space Brooklyn, I think, works. Um, it's just easy to kind of, like, make it a little bit too much. But I think, I think, I think it's appropriate for the campaign, right? Like, I thought yeah. Wesh was a very believable character, right? Like, um... I, I felt the Brooklyn kind of leaking into uh, the Jarlisa was the name of the uh, was the name of the Gungan that I interfaced with. I'm, yeah, yeah. I think that oh, that also happens where because uh, this happens to me in games. Like so, for instance, uh, I have a very specific accent for when I play D and D Gonder, right? And it takes me a couple of minutes to get into that accent, but then it like kind of becomes. You know, and so like hot swapping between them is very tough. I know, I know exactly what you mean. Like warming up my so in my five E game, I play a dwarven warlock, and so warming up my Scottish accent usually takes a couple of minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, I have specific, uh, I have specific words for it typically, um, where I will, uh, you know, that it, it, it'll be specific small things. That will put me in that headspace, and I can make I can make the accent work off that. With Gonder, it is a video where the girls from the the Stark girls from Game of Thrones are making fun of Sean Bean's accent, his like his Northern English accent, and they say the word Hakuna Matata, but in like that Northern English accent, and that instantly puts me in the Gonder place. They okay. go Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase, you know. And I'm just like, I'm in it. I'm there. <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely, I definitely get that. Uh, it's, you know, it's like kind of getting, getting, getting into the right headspace of Mason. <laughs> we should, we, we need to do an episode on accents now. Yeah, or yeah, or we, we just, just do do, do an episode in our in our characters' accents, like as our yeah. characters. Um, although they, you know, they've never interacted because that's like a totally separate thing. But. uh you know, one of my one of my favorite things is like, you know, like occasionally somebody will like like you know comment on the veracity of my Scottish accent. Like, well, it's not a Scottish accent; it's a dwarven accent. <laughs> it's a dwarven accent, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because that's the other thing that happens with Gondor is that it's like partially Northern English and par- partially Cockney. Um, yeah. Because like, so for instance, the defining thing with Cockney is 
th sounds become f sounds so it's not think it's think, think. yeah yeah like i think you know um and and so it's combining those two things which doesn't make a lot of sense in real world context but it makes a lot of sense for gondor yeah no, no my, my absolute favorite was uh was the Starfinder game? Were you in that game where we where I was playing Octavian? No, I was in. The, the, there were Starfinder oh, East, Starfinder West, West yeah. and I was on West. Yeah. yeah, no, and I played. I played a space spider with like the most ridiculous French accent, right? Like the most cartoonish French accent, and like that excuse really works well because like, no, I am not. I am not French. I am. I am a space spider. You know what, what are you talking about? He just like, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, you know, I love. I, I love that though. Like, it's kind of like on like a very base level, like. Putting a voice to a character, I think, like really kind of like helps me breathe life into it, um, even if it's not like a like an accent, but like just kind of like a you know a particular mode of speaking, right? Like you know, like just giving them like their own kind of distinct uh, distinct uh, cadence, right? Like, yeah, no, I absolutely get that. Yeah. Uh, it's something I actually have that happens with me with a lot of like WoW RP because you know I have a gazillion different characters in in WoW RP, and some of them have acts like Gondor is a WoW RP character of mine who has an accent, but Bairn is a WoW RP character of mine who doesn't have an accent. But they have like different personalities, and it'll come out in like the tone of their words. I think in ways like Bairn, for instance, is pessimistic typically so like a lot of the things that he says or talk about will kind of be like these da- we'll just he'll just phrase things in very like downer ways you know um whereas a character who's like more optimistic will phrase the exact same content in a more upbeat way and it is those like small little word choice diction you know syntax kinds of things um, that will that will come out right, or even just small things like characters who who will engage in euphemisms and turns of phrase, and characters who won't. Um, like Tonric is a ha, has kind of like a detective side to him, right? And so the way that he asks questions about things is kind of like a detective asking a wit like a witness something, or you know what I mean, like. He he's like casing a crime scene. Right? I'm just, I'm Whereas just, I'm just imagining uh, the Tonric as uh, Cole from L.A. Noir. It's like the doubt, like that screen. He's like you press X to doubt. He's like you know, like <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's not about that kind of thing. But what? it's just it's just like the way that you know the way that like a cop will will say uh, like where were you at the time of X Y Z on on date like those kinds of things right like. That is a specific tone that only exists in this character because he has that sort of background. Whereas, like you know, Baron wouldn't wouldn't have that kind of an interaction with it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, it's oh man, I, I am I, so this is like the silver lining of of the uh, of the quarantine because uh, even though I don't get to go to my beloved Gen Con, um, uh, I get to play a lot of D and D with with various and sundry people, so. Yeah, um, you know. Yeah, I have. A, I, there's a, there's definitely a couple of accents that um, I have that are I don't know. Like there's the Gondor accent that's the go to. There's the Mateo accent that's the go to. I actually really like my Mateo accent. Ah, uh, Mateo. Mateo. Mateo Vasquez. <laughs> well, part of it is that like I, I I like the linguistic side of things where you like learn the nuts and bolts of the of the, like one of the things about 
Latin languages, but like Spanish in particular, is that they only have five vowel sounds. They don't have a lot of the more complex vowel sounds that like English has. So they have a lot of their words will um, kind of condense down because they only have a i e o u. And so rain is sort of a little bit outside of there. And so, but it's in that E sound, that A sound. Yeah. So it's like finding that kind of stuff that makes it, that makes this like very interesting to me. Oh yeah. No. And like, I'm trying to do that with Gungan because like, you know, and that, that's a little bit fraught, but like, you know, it's like, excuse me. Right. Like in like, like, cause you know, you've got Jar Jar who's like yeah. kind of like big and squeaky, but like, I guess like, like Jet's supposed to be more like Roost Tarples. Um, who's a little bit more serious, or like Boss Nass, right? Um, and uh, and like it's just kind of like putting that all together is is uh, is fun but tough. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, man, man, I love D and D. Yeah, I, I I agree. I also understand the love of D and D. All right. Well, I feel like I need to I need to add more accents. I need like a Russian guy accent. I need like a yeah. German accent. Yeah. No, that's like it's like. I occasionally, like, look online for, like... There's not a lot of good accent guides online, um, or at least in videos, which is what I would expect, but, like, maybe... I, I know. Can... See, that's the other thing I feel like. I also wish there were good accent guides in videos. Yeah. Um, like, I think the best you can do is, like, find, like, a movie or a show or a documentary with somebody with the accent, right? Like... Yeah. Yeah, that Mateo Vasquez accent comes out of Oberyn Martell in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, and in a certain sense, you know, the that Sean Bean accent also comes out of Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is very helpful for me making yeah. accents, I guess. Oh, yeah, and, like, Ralph was, like, always just, like, Armatito is just, like, the most, um, like, the growliest pirate accent I could come up with, which is not <laughs> yeah. coming to me quite right now, but, you know. Um, it's got to be ski dogs, right? Like, which is, like, some <laughs> bastardization of, of some kind of English accent. Um, uh, but, yeah, um, I think that's about all we have time for uh unless you want to talk about anything else before we close this out uh i have uh to be honest really nothing yeah i guess i have nothing else i want to talk about yeah all right well if you'd like to kind of tell us what you thought about anything we talked about on today's episode you can reach out pockets at some nurseplaygames.com or some games at gmail.com uh you can uh, f- uh follow us on twitch.tv such as games we haven't really hosted anything maybe we'll do the Star Wars games? Like, that's a thing we could do. We'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah, that is a thing we could do. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, rate review us on iTunes. Give us some money on Patreon if you feel like it. Um, that's everything I had. Buddy, do you have anything else you wanted to promote? Uh, I have nothing else I'm looking to. Not, not even, well, like, actually, a release date for a certain game? Well, so, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I, listen, I, I had to, like, get out of that. I have nothing else to promote. So I guess I have a couple things to promote. Because uh, So we have announced the release date of Spitch. Spitch is coming out on PC and the Nintendo Switch on September 3rd. Uh, so mark it in your calendar. Wishlist it on Steam. Very, very exciting. There was a demo weekend that just ended, so the demo is no longer live. Um, but obviously I would highly recommend people pick up the actual game itself because... It's a good one, and it's a doozy. And then the other thing is, I actually don't know what I, if I will be streaming this weekend, but last weekend, last Friday, was the debut of Buddy Gets Good, where I played God Viral, and I was pretty bad. I was pretty bad at it. I, I, we learned that, my A, my nemesis is Spike Balls. B, I cannot fire the rocket launcher without also damaging myself. It's impossible. 
um, and see uh, that in my moments of great hubris are when I am heroically brought low. <laughs> Um, so I, uh, that, that VOD will be coming out on YouTube at some point. We'll probably be doing some edits, uh, to make it snappier and also funnier because like, boy, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Man. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, I, 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 I actually missed that one. Let, let, uh, like, you know, tweet or something. I don't know. Yeah. I should have, I should have tweeted. I mean, to be honest, it was in the middle of just like all of this other stuff that had been going on. So I, um, I just like. I could have been better about uh, alerting people to uh, alerting people to the street. It has been a, bit of a pretty crazy back end of June for Mr. Buddy Sola recently, uh, but I'm very excited, especially because like, well, so you know, I'll be, I'll be playing Workout Bob God Viral for a while, but like, the moment that Buddy gets good gets to spinch. Oh fuck me, man! <laughs> like that is gonna be a nightmare and a half. That's it. Sounds like it sounds like a great time. Uh... <laughs> All right, well, um, with that, I guess it's time to say uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.